I feel conflicted. I feel conflicted. I don't want to see that. I feel conflicted. I don't need to see that. I don't want. I don't need to. I don't want. I don't need to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't need to see that. Welcome to Countdown to the Comeback. Uh, I'm Miss Jenny. And I'm Miss Marcy. And I am a little bit under the weather, so... Jenny's hawking up loogie balls. So please be <laughs> patient with me. Marcy, Miss Marcy has had uh, an inquiry as to our fixation on Tony Danza's penis. You know what? You said that like the National Enquirer. Right? I did. <laughs> An inquiry. An inquiry. But inquiring minds want to know. There we go. Yes, uh, one of our callers wanted to know why Tony Danza's penis is in the theme song. And it is a very good question because unless you've listened to... Well, I think it was in the second. Yeah. Yeah. It was in the second episode of our podcast that it came up. And... It's a simple answer. Jenny has a magnet with naked Tony Danza on her file cabinet right next to where... uh, the podcast is recorded. And it's become a point of fixation for both of us, and we refer back to it. It's, it's Quite often. She has a little party hat on his penis. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. And, and to see how many times I could say penis right yeah. up at the top of the show. So Tony Danza's penis has absolutely nothing to do with the comeback, but it has a lot to do with countdown to the comeback. <laughs> and us. Because it's sort of, yeah. He's we worship like, at the Tony Danza penis. Yeah. Um... And there's just, there's no real connection other than us. And I think I'd be frightened if I, if, if actually I saw it in real life. Oh, definitely. Well, well I mean, and it's, it's a young Tony Danza's penis. <laughs> it might be a, we might be teabaggy Tony Danza. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want, we don't want to see that. <laughs> no. So, um, so I hope that answers the question and, um, that's, I think. When you're congested, you sound like you're on NPR. I do. Well, that's good. Maybe that's She's not a bad tea. thing. I'm holding She's tea. wearing like sort of like a houndstoothy sweater a little bit, and she's got that NPR voice, and I, I don't feel worthy of her today. Oh, hush. Oh, hush now. <laughs> hush you. All right, so uh, season two, episode two. Woo! Val- <laughs> Valerie tries to get yesterday back. What do you think that title's about? Because I, I was thinking about that. That's kind of... Uh, a... She's trying to relive the, the comeback. You think? I think that she loved that time when she was on a TV show and she had her own show. I mean, it was all about her. It's true. It was all about her. But it went so horribly wrong. It's... I think she's forgotten that. <laughs> Mark hasn't. No. Mark has not. And we really see that a lot in this episode. Yes. We both kind of had the same reaction. We both enjoyed the episode. Very much. But it's still... It wasn't as good as last week's to me. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's just because anything after last week was going to be... Yeah, that's what I think, too. I think that, that, you know, last week was so exciting, and we got to see the characters. You know, most of the characters. But we did. We got to see yeah. Jane. Jane was the big Jane. payoff. And yes. Then, yeah. I mean... And love what they did with the characters so much. I'm just all over that. Hilarious. And I 
was laughing to myself this morning thinking about how last season or going through last season, I was speculating that she and Mark were going to have I know. a little thing. <laughs> uh, if you listen to some of our, if you listen to our, our uh, podcast from the countdown to the comeback uh, from last season, yeah, we that was definitely there on the, the table. Yeah, it was not. one of my far out there ideas. But that's what's so great about kind of this podcast review post-mortem. Still, the, still, it was a great episode, you know, even though it wasn't, I, I didn't like it as much as I liked the first one, but I still enjoyed it. Again, Jane was wonderful, and having her back was so fulfilling. I felt like they're setting up a lot of stuff. I think they're setting up a lot of stuff, and um, a lot of the comedy, the callbacks that they're doing are great that are going to carry through the season, like her impressions, right. which uh, clearly now... That's going to be a thing all through it, and the her her identifying songs, who's done songs, and identifying shows by the wrong people. That's a really strong thing in this season too. And she, it's the same thing as in the first season where she was completely wrong, but turns on whoever it is right at at that moment and claims that she's right, <laughs> and gives the right answer after Mickey has fed it to her. Yes. So certain Valerie-isms haven't changed, but I also thought we saw a lot of change in her in certain ways. I mean, little tiny subtle ways, yeah. which is still going to be her, but we'll get into that. But but talking about the impressions is kind of a good place to start, because at the top of the show, she's in the bathroom doing a video testimonial. And or, she calls it her vlog, but she called didn't she call it a vlog? Uh, she called it yeah, but she called it her val log, I think. Or, um, yeah, but I think at first she said her vlog. Yeah. You know, cuz it's it's called a vlog. Right. But you know, she always gets it just slightly wrong. Right. And which is uh, charming. And the V stands for val. Why mm-hmm. not? So there she is and we realize she still hasn't quite learned how to work all this technology. She doesn't still know what she's doing. The bathroom looks like it's been redone. It does. It, <laughs> so maybe that's one of the things. Or we're been seeing doing. it from a different angle. It true. Because I I don't know. I had like a whole vision in my head of that bathroom that was you know. But I think I always pictured it from entering, like us entering, and this is like from the wall, the other wall. Like she's facing whatever she's facing. There were some different angles that we yeah. also saw the kitchen later from yeah. a different angle that we hadn't seen it before. So she starts off fiddling with the equipment and responding to somebody's uh, somebody uh, subscriber who said they love her impressions. <laughs> and so she started off doing an Edith Bunker and um, which uh, not a good one. <laughs> None of them are, but that's what makes them so great. Yeah, and if they were good, it wouldn't be funny. Right, and she didn't know that it was Jean Stapleton, and there's the kind of the pause, and then the... Where she cut off the camera. And then turn it back on, because, you know, she had to look it up on IMDb. Because she, uh, she doesn't have somebody with her like we but have. she didn't edit it, right? So there was that, like, you heard, like, a boop, and then, like... Right. <laughs> And she's telling the video diary that she's going to be doing Seeing Red, and as she's doing that, Mark comes in, and we realize that it still hasn't gotten resolved since the last episode. She says at one point that it's been a month since she's done one of these personal video diaries, and I don't know whether that means it's been a month since the episode that we just saw, 
So I don't remember whether we saw a personal video diary in that I last one. I can't remember either. I was trying to... That, I found the same thing when I watched that. Yeah, so I don't know whether it's been a month since she got the part or whether it's just been a month since she's done that, but... You just really look so grown up today, Jenny. <laughs> I'm do. a grown up. You too. Oh, well, it's about time. I know. <laughs> I'm going to hand him wearing inappropriate middle-aged braids. Oh, no. <laughs> they're, they're good. They look cute on you. I love your braids. Uh, so, Mark enters, and he's coming into Floss's teeth because he's had some steel-cut oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> she, they, they get into it again because he's upset that she's even talking about it. I mean, not really upset. His level of upset is pretty calm, cool, and collected. He's pretty together. She makes that wonderful comment about... That she had been trying to have a discussion and he left the listening circle. <laughs> yeah. I, which makes me wonder if she's kept her yoga room. <laughs> and now it's like a... It went from Pilates room to Zumba room. We <laughs> talked about that. And maybe now it's just like a spiritual <coughs> room. Uh, following the tweets last night, Dan Bukatinsky or Bukatinsky said something, uh, made a comment about them having gone to marriage counseling. Like that this sounded like verbiage that one would yeah, get in marriage oh, counseling definitely. about the listening circle. And there they were listening to each other. And she's trying to convince him like, look, it's an HBO show. You love them. You always fall asleep to that Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, first she said... No, she's Mad a, Men. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first time that she had the wrong... That's on HBO. And, right. And he said, no, it's not. And she said, oh, right, it's on Lifetime. No, she said it's A&E. A&E, A&E, right. Uh, which is wrong as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jenny would know that. Why, Jenny? Uh, because my husband worked on it. But, uh, the yeah, I mean, it was wonderful. It's like, oh, my God. They referenced Mad Men right off the bat. And she said... She assumed that it was on HBO because of all the smoking. <laughs> she's also saying that HBO has made it very clear that she's not playing her. I think that's going to be important as we go forward because we've seen the previews for next week and uh, she's having some strong reactions to things that are in the script that she's saying didn't happen. And here she's saying that you know, HBO made a very big deal about it not being actually her. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And Mark has legitimate concerns, I think, that, you know, she's playing a not-flattering version of herself written by a drug-addled writer, an a-hole. You know, just going back, to to the, the marriage counseling thing, um, in the first episode... With the uh, when the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, it was hinted at that she and Mark had had some trouble. So I'm wondering if we're going to find out in later episodes, you know, if that's going to unfold, like what happened. And was it right after the comeback? You know, right. Because that was, he's very clear throughout this whole episode, he does not want to go there again, you know. Right, that it, it did some serious damage yeah. to their connection, if not just her. So then we go to HBO and she's in the halls of HBO and she's checking out the posters on the walls. And the first one they see appropriately, because this is written and directed by Michael Patrick King. Sex in the City. Sex in the City. And who are you on Sex in the City? I'm a Carrie. Ah, uh-huh. see I always thought you were Samantha. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> you find out what your friends really think of you. Um, I, you know, I think that there are times in which I'm all of them. I think every woman likes to think she's a carry. Really? Because I, I, I find a lot of women... I, um, oh, goodness. I don't know. You're looking at me. I don't know. Does that mean you want to be a carry? No, no. Right I'm curious who you think, which sexist <sighs> character you think I am. Um... I don't know. I I don't know that you're one one across the board. I That's would say like asking someone how old you are. Look what we're finding out. Yeah, I would say that you're sort of a combination to me of um, oh God Miranda and um, Charlotte. Charlotte, yeah, yeah that's actually. what I always think too. Yeah, I mean you're a little I'm bit a little of both prissy. of them. <laughs> you're a little prissy, but you're also a, you're a businesswoman yes. and you're sensible. And I and you have red hair. <laughs> so maybe maybe we're just combinations of these people. So you're Carrie Samantha, and I'm Miranda Charlotte. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, I, I've been I have been a serial monogamist my entire life. You yes, know, you, have. you know. I know. I didn't I, I mean think... I didn't mean that she's a hoe. She's not a hoe. Well, but in between relationships I was <laughs> a little bit more Samantha. No, it's just your sort of your Samantha open mindedness. Yeah. Yeah, but see, I always thought of Carrie as being very open-minded. and Yeah, but I Samantha more. So. Yeah, well, uh, definitely. And, uh, and more sort of outspoken about it, you know, and you, and you are. I mean, it's something I really admire about you, actually. Oh, yeah, I don't have any issues with that. I don't admire my Charlotte side sometimes. Oh, I do. I love Charlotte. I think this is very sweet. Anyways, so she's Sex in the City poster, and she's saying, okay, you know, oh, it started it all. Then she sees The Sopranos. It really started it all. <laughs> and then you realize she doesn't know a lot of the other shows. <laughs> like but, any of them. Like any of them. And then she has a very strong reaction to the girls poster. She's like, the new girls. So also she's not quite getting the right show. And then she refers to it as Leela, Layla Durham. And Mickey in the background's like, uh, I think it's Lena Dunham. And that there's one of those moments where she says, you know, no, I'm right. It's Lena, Lena Dunham. Yeah, she points the poster. No, see, right here. She points to the name, Lena Dunham. And says exactly what Mickey had yes. said. It's just her dynamic with Mickey. Oh, my God. Wouldn't you love to see Valerie Cherish on Girls? <laughs> Who would she play? I don't even no, know. No, she'd be a new character. She'd have just to be. hanging out in the apartment with the girls. <laughs> All right, well, oh, that's... Oh, God, now I had to, had to think about Naked Lena Dunham, and I got All right, well, let's upset move... for a moment. All right, let's stop thinking about Naked Lena... I, yeah, I'd rather Lena... think of Naked Tony Danza. Think of Naked Tony Danza. <laughs> From the 80s. Lay back and think of Naked Tony Danza. Not 2014, Naked Tony Danza. So we go into a meeting at HBO, and there's kind of introductions all around, and there's um, a new person in there who I'm... I'm I forget what she's some kind of content producer, and the blonde or the the uh, no 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 the blonde was in the other bit the, right. the woman we haven't seen she before was con- she was like a something I think with like business affairs or something I don't think she was a content producer so uh, I remember but it was it was not like a producer I don't know but Valerie kept referring to certain things to her that as if she knew yeah but. Of Valerie, Valerie wouldn't doesn't get that right. Yeah. She doesn't know what anybody's You're right. job she is. She doesn't. And I like how we very clearly became very clear that Valerie had called this meeting. 
Right. And got them all <laughs> in know. the room. I think they were a little scared of her, maybe because of the potential lawsuit earlier. I oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I get that sense. This is the nicest I've ever seen people be to Valerie Cherish. It's very different than season one in this yeah. regard. And you can feel it. And <clears throat> I don't know how much of it is her that she's different, but also just the way that people are handling her is very different. And then the film crew is very awkward in the space. Harry's sitting on the couch right next to her. Ivan keeps knocking the boom into the blinds. And she's talking about having all this BTS, a.k.a. behind-the-scenes footage uh, that they can have if they want and that she's had these kids following her around and that they're really cheap and... Then the executive, who is played by Carlos Jalcote or something like that, I can't pronounce the name, the guy that we couldn't figure out who he was last week, but Dan Bukatinsky had texted or had tweeted that he was uh, a classmate of theirs at Vassar. I love that. Yeah, so we know a little bit more about him. So he says, you know, we need to use a union crew, and she's like, they're out of here. Oh. Which means that we're saying goodbye to Harry and Ivan. Harry and Ivan. And later on we find out, though, that Tyler's going to still be around. The other guy, who I believe his name is Connor, the the young gay guy. Oh, he was Who's a big fan, the one who's always smiling at her. Oh, my God, he was fabulous. I loved him. He asks her about the producer from The Comeback. And she knows it's Jane, and we realize she doesn't know Jane's last name. Oh my god. Or doesn't remember Jane. it. No, she I think she never learned it. She did send her an invitation to the viewing party oh, that's the true. first time we knew but Mickey may have been in charge of that. Because later on she does ask Mickey, you know, I hope you've still stayed in contact with her. But we learn he, at this point that Jane has been in, the other executive, the blonde woman in the room, knows her, has had meetings with her and, and I think uh I think that she's part of the Velvet Mafia. <laughs> Possibly. They could be. As we learn later on. The Velvet Carpet Mafia. <laughs> uh, but she knows that her last name is Benson. So Jane's last name is Benson. And then Valerie wants to know how soon they're going to start. Because as we find out, she'd like to have a little touch up. But she never really says that. She says she'd like time to prepare. prepare. You know, prepare. Prepare. You know, prepare. What do you have to do? Prepare. And then the young guy <laughs> finally gets it, and he's like, oh, no, 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 you're perfect. And then they start telling her that that's one of the things they love about her, is that she's one of the last real actresses, or like the one, one of the actresses who still looks real. And basically Valerie heard, hey, wrinkle face. <laughs> Which, by the way, she's not. Lisa Kudrow looks, you know, like a kid. She, yeah, I mean, she looks, she looks wonderful. She does need a little convincing. Even no, I think she. I don't think she hears any of that because we see her go right to that phone call to the plastic surgeon. Exactly. She's leaving the meeting and she's on the cell phone in the hallway, and we hear her talking to somebody. Saying, you know, well, what can you do in a week? You know, what can heal in a week when the young guy comes out after her to invite them to the Golden Globes next week? And he also mentions that he's a big fan. He was a big fan of the comeback and that he'd watched all the episodes of I'm It at the Museum of Broadcasting. Oh, my God. And again, you know, like Fossil. 
<laughs> right. She's like, that means it's classic. <laughs> and Mickey's like, it's in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Mickey is, if possible, even funnier this episode. Yeah. He's my favorite character. Mickey's just wonderful. And he's the same. I, I'm really... I'm really pleased to see Mickey has stayed constant. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. His little behavior quirks are still there. He's still De- Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> How bad do you think her Botox is going to be? If she gets it. I'm I'm disappointed that we didn't see the picture, but yeah. that's coming up. So we cut from there as she's saying, Mickey, I hope you're still in touch with Jay. And then we're in a car and we're out in the middle of nowhere sort of up in the hills, it could be Topanga, it could be, who knows where it is, trying to find where Jane lives, according to the address that Mickey has, and he's in the backseat going through his book, and at one point he's just like, oh, so many people are dead. (laughs) (laughs) I know, and I love that he's still in a book. Yes. I have a friend who sells a book, it's amazing to me. I actually keep a hard copy of numbers and I have a oh, I, I have good. a I have a book up there. Yeah, I do just because Philofax? No, seriously this quotable address book. I have an address book because I even though I have everything on the computer and everything on the computer no, isn't smart. in there. But like for my closest friends and family. I don't know. It's just I'm old school that way. Uh been burned too many times and losing shit on technology. Anyways, so Mickey also is convinced that this is sort of a fool's errand. That, you know, that that email sounded pretty, pretty like a definitive no to me, Red, or whatever it was. <laughs> that's, my, that's my Mickey imitation. It was good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Two imitations, thank you. But he's sure, yeah, he's sure that, the, that she's got to be around there somewhere and that the address must still be good because his Christmas newsletter wasn't returned. Oh my god, wouldn't you love to get uh, yeah, Mickey's we, Christmas yeah. newsletter? I want to be on his Christmas uh, newsletter list. Oh my god. I have a friend who writes a Debbie Downer Christmas newsletter every year. Uh-huh. Oh, you know, pay friends and family. Well, this year has been full of challenges. Lost my other kidney. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we found out our son is going blind. Oh god. <laughs> That's the problem with those newsletters. It's like, I never want to write them because it's like, what do people really want to know? Yeah. You know? We've got Facebook now. You don't need them. So then they arrive at Jane's, and there are dogs and goats and horses. I wanted to live there. It's beautiful. It's Topanga Canyon, do you think? I, it looked like Topanga, but it's it had a Topanga one of those companions. Capa- it's one of those canyons out there, and uh, it's very sunny, and Mickey makes a comment that he needs a sombrero, or he's going to look like a little orphan Annie, which I'm not quite sure what he means by that. I know. She's red hair? Red hair, I, yeah. yeah. She's not, I don't remember her as being particularly sunburned. I know. I meant the color of her dress. Oh, that could be. But or her hair. Everything's red, but not her skin. Yeah, yeah. She has no pupils. <laughs> That's true. She, For a minute, I thought you were going to say she has no pubis. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably not, not that either. I don't want to think about uh, it. Or unless he's making a racist racist joke about the reboot of Little Orphan Annie. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) With Quavazane? I'm not quite sure who is it. It's Quavazane. I thought it was one of the Smith kids. It's not. No, it's. Whip your hair. Oh, anyways. (laughs) Willow. Willow. 
with your hair. hair. I whip my head back and forth. I whip my head. <laughs> Come on, sing along. I whip my head back and forth. I whip. Shani's not singing. My head back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Firestein. Like Lucy, the later years. <laughs> Firestein. Harvey Firestein does. I whip my hair back and forth. Uh, so they're very fabulous. They're very excited about the horses, uh, except Mickey's very concerned. One of them has its leg bandaged, and cast. Valerie wants to know why it hasn't been shot. In the <laughs> oh, Miss Marcy is putting her face in her hands. Oh no, they, they they shoot horses, don't they? And then the laughter that followed it. And she goes, I know, haven't you seen that? Yeah, Netflix it. (laughs) It's not about that. Didn't one of the crew members tell it? It's not about that. Right, right. Uh, And then Jane comes out. And as we've seen this clip in the preview, and she says, you know, I saw the cameras and I knew it was you. And she says, you never give up, which is definitely... Definitely Valerie. She does not give up. But she did look genuinely happy to see Valerie. She did. I mean, I imagine she's lonely out there. She's got all the animals, but also just to see people and just to have... I mean, that is not a place people drop by. You do not (laughs) drop in. Oh, well, you know, we don't even visit our friends who've moved to Silver Lake, so... (laughs) 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 It's true. Very, very true. I had a friend who just moved to Glendale, and I was like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, one of of my closest friends, Diana, lives in Simi Valley, and we see each other maybe three or four times a year. I would still say she's one of my very best friends, but we will Skype or FaceTime. Right. Because we can't see each other. We just don't. There are so few opportunities where we're in the same general vicinity, like within 20 minutes. And I always feel it's their fault, so. (laughs) Because I'm not moving. I've been exactly where I am the whole time. I'm not changing anything around here. Well, listen, people feel that way about me being in Culver City, so. It's just one of those L.A. things. Yeah. Anywhere else in the world, they would think we were crazy. They just hop on a train. So then they're talking about Val. uh, Val's mentioning that Jane must be really off the grid up there and Jane schools her. You know, no, she wouldn't have gotten her email if she was actually off the grid. And they go into Jane's really nice home. It's it like, is nice. It's like a Spanish farm yeah. ranch house and Valerie starts singing, looks like we made it. <laughs> and she, she's Joking around, oh, it's Neil Diamond. And there again, Mickey corrects her eye. I think it's Barry Manilow. And Mickey would know. And Mickey would know. I think Mickey's a fanalow. Who isn't a fanalow? I'm a fanalow. I'm a fanalow. I'm not a card-carrying fanalow. No, me either, because that's embarrassing. But But he's on my iPod. It's still one of my favorite Will and Grace episodes, the fanalow episode. There was a fanalow episode. It was awesome. I still miss that show. That was a great show. So, Valerie, in one of her Valorisms, is always like, oh, I get it, I get it, and she gets why Jane is out. She's saying that she gets why Jane is out there, even though, obviously, she doesn't. And Jane keeps reiterating that she's not interested. Val starts to really try to sell Jane on the idea of coming and producing behind-the-scenes footage for... HBO, sort of this web content or whatever they're going to do with it. Sort of in this, in the midst of this, they spot her Oscar. They see 
Jane's Oscar. No, didn't Jane, Jane said I won an Oscar. Right. Well, she says uh, she says that she met the woman at HBO because when she was looking for distribution for her documentary and Valerie says, oh, well, maybe they'll give it to you now. And she says, you know, well, I, you know, didn't seem to matter that we won an Oscar for it. And again, Valerie has no clue what anybody is up to. Had no idea that Jane had done this. No. Or that she had won the Oscar. Which is interesting because I would imagine that Valerie watches the Oscars every year. Yeah. She would have seen, like, even... She probably fast forward to the best short film category and document... I'm sure she Documentary fast Documentary Yeah, why... It's not, you know, her thing. The, the hidden woman of Treblinka. So Jane shares that she's made this documentary on do you want to talk about what the documentary is about lesbians lesbians in the holocaust oh right that was it because the next one is lesbians it's like isn't it like an indian she never even says lesbians it's it's taiwanese boat women women (laughs) right but valerie of course had no idea about this documentary or that Jane won the Oscar and wants to have her picture taken with it, wants to make sure oh she's my got God. lots no, of she, Yeah, when she, when she spotted that Oscar, there could, it was like, oh! <laughs> yeah, like, she know. picks it up, it's heavy, she's so oh, excited. Oh my God, like, her heart was pounding. It's just fantasy. It's so close. It's so close. She could taste it. Uh, and she reads it and, of course... Valerie mispronounces the other name on it. It's like Joanne, and Jane corrects her that it was Joan Meyer, who was her ex. Then Valerie (laughs) says, I didn't know. And Jane says that I was Jewish or a lesbian. Val reintroduces herself, saying, Nice to meet you, Jane Benson, Jewish lesbian with an Oscar. Good for you. (laughs) Didn't she say double whammy? (laughs) I I don't remember if she did or not, but... I I, I think she did. (coughs) But you you see in Jane this sort of cynicism, this broken... She's like, it doesn't matter. She said, it doesn't mean anything. I know, Jane was a little broken. Yeah, she looked a little broken. Wonder what happened in the breakup. And she's gotten beaten down by everything. She probably thought once she won that Oscar, too, to a degree that it would be a lot easier. Life-changing. And it doesn't seem like it was. I mean, even though on some levels it looks like it was, because she's out there in the middle of... Wherever she is, Topanga. How how does she afford that house? I don't know. Who knows what Joan Meyer did? So Jane's made banana bread, and Valerie doesn't eat that, but Mickey does. Do you think it was there was I'm, there was I'm sorry, pot in the banana bread? No, I don't think there was pot in the banana bread. But she did have she did bring out a fat fatty and offers it and Mickey's all for it. He's like, oh yeah, Mickey's all into that. And Valerie claims she's a lightweight and doesn't want to touch it and won't let any of the crew have it because they're under 21 except for Ivan who is says he's 24 or 25 or 25. something. She doesn't want the others to feel bad. <laughs> and then Mickey's very concerned about the butter. He wants to know if she's got the butter for the banana bread in a pump or uh, some sort of a spray. And then we learn that it's goat butter and that the goats are there to help with the horses. That these are traumatized horses and that the goats reacclimate them. And then the horses get comfortable with the goats and then get comfortable with the people. 
again, it just tells us a little bit more about Jane and what she's been doing. She's been rehabilitating these animals. And I wanted to know where the fuck Lucy was. Where's the dog? Nobody talked I about know. Lucy the dog. I was wondering if Lucy would come running out because there were some very old dogs out there. Yeah. But none of those were... No, no Jack Russells. Yeah, they did not look like Lucy. Lucy was a Jack Russell. So... But you know what it did do is it made me feel good about the fact that she gave her Lucy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you know that Lucy, wherever she is, she had a good home. Or she was well taken care of. Maybe Joan... Maybe Joan took her. Oh. Also throughout this scene, Jane is working with the kids and showing them how, you know, like moving them around very gently and sweetly, like move it over here, move it up, move it that yeah, way. Yeah, I loved that. You saw Jane doing her thing. Yeah, and very naturally and comfortably. Then Jane sort of confesses that part of her hesitation as well about doing it is that Valerie's so uptight around Polly and Val takes this as some indication that she, that she should get high, sort of, to show that she's not uptight, <laughs> which was an interesting choice. I thought, okay, I don't see how the two relate, but okay. And then Valerie starts explaining to Jane that Polly G was a heroin addict, and they didn't know. But Jane says that she actually had seen him shoot up once. Yeah. Isn't that funny that, like, Jane, well, Jane, I think Jane saw everything. She must have seen everything. I wonder if when she saw him, I wonder if it was around the time when she did the one-on-one interview with him or at another time. I don't know. I wonder if we'll ever find out. We could. But she does say that she never told uh, Valerie because it wasn't about him. I like Jane. Yeah. She's a cool chick. She's a very cool chick. Val has a great line about hog in the bogart she doesn't even know the proper weed <laughs> lingo uh meanwhile two different things uh, two totally Thought different things bogarting it would be one <laughs> yeah well they're the same things right hogging exactly. And bogarting. exactly mickey forgot how good butter tastes so we know he's pretty stoned <laughs> i loved that he was he was having the munchies. Yeah, he's enjoying the banana bread <laughs> well we know that mickey enjoys the banana <laughs> <laughs> Jane also confesses that she feels bad about what she did to Valerie on camera the first time, and I'm not quite sure what she means by that, but... Um, well, that that episode was pretty bad. I mean, the first episode. Yeah, but she didn't do something to her on camera, so unless well, she no, but I think she just meant the whole on camera, you know, I think she was referring to the show. Okay, and that makes sense. And Valerie finally is kind of manipulating Jane because Jane doesn't have money to finish the documentary on the Taiwanese boat women that she's got in her barn. She's looking for financing to finish it. And Valerie's like, look, Jane, you know, you here you are complaining about not having the money to finish the thing that you are passionate about. And I'm here offering you opportunity to make up for what you regret between us and to finish your film and what's the problem. Pointing out the opportunity. Next thing we know, we cut to the Berman house. This again was another angle that we saw. And I tweeted about this. There were these giant white pears on the table. What were those? I don't know. And then there were pears also in the bookcases. I was very... I think she had a designer in. Maybe. Because it looks like there's a little redo of the house. Yeah, it definitely looks like some changes were made. And it looks like, you know, have you ever gone to a friend's house and they go, oh, we had a designer. 
And you walk in and you're like, ooh, with the emperor's new clothes. What is happening here? You know? What's with the giant pears? <laughs> What's with the giant pears? We open that scene, though. It's a shot through these back windows. And you see Esperanza. Esperanza's leaning over the sink. And you hear her like, oh, Mr. Mark. I think they were French doors. French doors, yeah. yeah. I was indicating like them, like the microphone could see. And it would transpose it to a... She's moving her hand up and down. In a French door type movement. So we see that there's a new crew, but they've kept Tyler and that Jane is there. And again, Mark looks a little confused and upset. Oh, yeah. And like, what the f- He does not want to be on it. He says he doesn't want to be on it. And Valerie comes down and says, this is completely different. This is about an actress on a TV show. (laughs) <laughs> Which yeah, is, what was the other one about? Right, exactly. <laughs> As opposed to what? Valerie also shares that, that she and Mark have been talking about having more date nights and that they've been invited to go to the Golden Globes and that'd be a great one. It'd be just you and me and Nikki and Billy and the camera crew. <laughs> but Mark is actually impressed and he is caught gasping on... The footage, and then he remember remember um, when he didn't get to go to the People's Choice Awards, he was very uncharacteristically disappointed. Yeah, so now he gets to go to the Golden Globes, and he seems excited. She's making up to him ten years later. Ten years later, and a call comes in from a doctor, and Mark sees it on the phone and has a very strong reaction. This is when we learn that in the past there was some Botox fillers, fillers gone bad, and he's. Pulls up a photo on his phone and is trying to show us, but I really couldn't get a good no, look at Jane it. No, Jane got a look at it, but that was it. Yeah, it was it was hard to see, but he's, like, not having any of it. that was intentional? What? That we didn't actually see it? Maybe, or maybe they just didn't get a good shot and yeah. that's just as good as it was going to get. Yeah. <clears throat> but like you said, maybe we'll see it later. It didn't even look like her in the picture. No. I think that's probably the point, too, is whatever happened, it was not good. And And I'm like, oh, don't do it, Valerie. And meanwhile, she she made a comment, something about, well, I was going to do surgery because surgery is less dangerous or something. (laughs) I was was like, what? (laughs) She's talking about. Then we are at the stylists, and the stylist is Brad. Yeah. Who, who was, do you know who he is? No, tell me who he is. He was, um, oh my God, I'm spacing out on her name right now. She was a celebrity stylist and she had her own TV show. She's really skinny. Oh my God, I'm going to look it up right now. Okay. And he was her assistant and then on the first season and then he left her and, and t- took some of her clients and um, he got his own reality show, but like not as good a one. Brad Gordetsky, yeah, Gordetsky, um, and he's got a reality show too that's showing in China. Yeah, and this is he—he he does have a reality show. The crews, there were the battling camera crew, reality camera crews, and Mickey makes a comment that they can't operate cars either. He's making a very racist comment about the Chinese. Valerie's all excited to take a look at the rack. And Brad pulls out a feather dress. No, what about when she starts talking like this to the Chinese people and the girl's like, um, I'm Brad's assistant. Right. <laughs> right. And full of, you know, totally American. 
They, she's not even embarrassed when she does that. That's the funniest. Oh, of course. Nice to meet you. Right. Well, and in that context, too, though, there's a lot of people talking in Chinese around them and translating back and forth. So, on one hand, I thought it wasn't as big of a faux pas as Valerie has made because the girl is of Asian descent of some sort. She's probably Filipino, though, or something. (laughs) It's nowhere near Chinese. She hasn't said anything. There's no reason for Valerie to think she's anything but part of the Chinese crew. But yes, she does step in it, as always, appropriately. And then Brad says, I'd love to see you in something modern for a change. Valerie is very hesitant to try on this red... It's really a cute dress. This red brother. I know. They were so horrified about it. And I thought it was a really great dress. I thought it was a really great dress. But on the other hand, she's a woman she's, who is very conservative and considers herself wanting to, you know, be age appropriate at the Golden Globes, I'm sure. Maybe it is a dress for a bit of a younger woman, even though... If I were 70, I would be wearing that. If I, if somebody gave it yeah, to me to get... I'm a middle-aged woman with braids, so I'm no one to... Uh, yeah, exactly. Rachel Zoe. Rachel Zoe. He was Rachel Zoe's assistant. And he was, like, a really big personality. And then he, like, left her and took some clients and got his own reality show. It was a big scandal. But he's he doing was well great, And he, he was good. I thought that he was really natural. And, the, you know, sometimes when you have... Uh, reality television um, personalities on these shows, their acting is, oh, this is the acting coach in me, you know. Um, I thought he did a great job. We talked about this with our beloved Andy Cohen last week. I love Andy Cohen. Anyway, so Valerie doesn't even want anybody to see her in the red, ve- in the red feathered dress, but she does come out in it, and then Brad turns on her. And you know her. what? She looked really good in it. That's the thing. She looked great. And the other thing was, before she came out, both Brad and Billy were trying to coax her out, and Brad was saying, you know, come on, it's a reality show. Again, you know how this works. He was whispering that to her, though. I loved that when he was whispering her to her, when he had that little talk with her. And they were, like, whispering, like, very furiously whispering through the curtain. And finally, he must have said something that, you know, scared her or made her think she was going to look like a star, one or the other. Those are the only two things that would have gotten her out. Well, he was telling her, like, come on, this is reality. You know what it's like. We gotta see a few choices, right? We gotta see, we gotta play to the audience. We gotta create a show here, which she she says in other instances that she understands what the differences are and what she's doing in this reality thing. And on the other hand, she doesn't at all. Also, in the back, Mickey is asleep on the couch. Again, we've got another, oh God, Mickey, please don't be dead. <laughs> I love the way he falls with his mouth open. Yeah, he's just half asleep. He does look dead. She comes out, and after they've been encouraging her, and then Brad basically says exactly what she's been saying about the dress all the time. Like, okay, it's just, it's not right. It's, it's a great dress, it's just not right. And she's like, that's what I was saying. I really felt for her in that moment. Then we go to the Berman house. And it is the night of the Golden Globes, and Valerie's coming down, and she's in this long, red, gorgeous oh, gown. So she looks beautiful. And Mark is adjusting, you know, his tuxedo, and he's all excited. And Mickey and Billy arrive with the limo. Mickey makes a comment about them being these beautiful girls 
referring to himself and Billy, and there's this very strong reaction. And I didn't get it at first. I thought it was sort of what you were talking about last week, where you were talking about what's going on with these two. Right. No, I just think Billy doesn't want to be out on camera now. Well, uh, this is goes, we're going to go back to the tweeting that Dan Bukatinsky tweeted about that moment. And he said... Unprompted, too, thankfully. It was awesome to just get this kind of insider information. But he said that it's Billy's internalized homophobia that he doesn't want to be referred to as a girl. Oh, interesting. Which makes me want to go back to that first episode and that encounter with them in the door and see if there's something else there. Like, yeah, like like Billy just, Mickey's flamingness just, uh yeah, it's just like Billy's like just just dial it down, buddy. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So that was an interesting little tidbit to add on to what we've been talking about. What is going on between those two, and what 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 is that tension? So yeah, Billy doesn't want to be called a girl. Uh, Mark has the tickets, and Jane asks at this point, "How about the crew? How is the crew getting in?" As if nobody has thought about this. Everybody's sort of looking at one another, and you just hear Esperanza in the background. Uh oh, <laughs> I love her. She has so very few lines, but they are but choice. Brilliant. Yes. Then we are at the Golden Globes, and we see that Valerie is arriving with Mark. So she has chosen Mark over Billy I and Mickey. I was so glad. That would have been horrible if she'd done that to Mark again. I think she knew that. And she says, "You're my man, my husband, my everything. I gotta have you." And Jane and the crew. And <laughs> but didn't you, were you afraid it wasn't going to be Mark? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was too. I, I thought she she was going to make the wrong choice. Yeah, me too. And Mark is saying that he felt bad for Mickey, so he himself had some feelings about it, but I think he was also really happy to have been chosen. And then they're directed to a suite for the HBO viewing party, and they're not invited into the ballroom where the Golden Globes are actually happening, and Val is very confused. Valerie has no idea what's really going on. She wants to go in with the big kids, and uh, Mark's pretty open, and he's like, hey, you know, come on, we're just gonna go, and then we'll go to the party afterwards. She seems disappointed. Then they enter... The sweet 806, and <laughs> there are some young chippies sitting on the couch who are speaking Russian or something that sounds so, like Russian. We're not sure if it's Russian. Valerie just deemed it was Russian. And they have a very, <laughs> yeah. She, you know, it could have been anything. She just decided they were Russian. Yeah, it could be Czech. It, it, it's, it could be any know, Eastern European. Enough, could be or Polish. they could have been speaking English, and she just didn't understand them. <laughs> With a very, very thick accent. So there they are in the room, and the Russian hookers seem to be very impressed with the cameras, but nobody else seems to notice them come in or care, and there's nobody recognizable around. And then she sees Polly G is out smoking on the balcony. Why was Polly G, like, not invited to the... That surprised me, that he was there. Because this was obviously the D-list party. Well, I think it's the same thing, though. I mean, they haven't even shot an episode, right? right. They don't know if this is going to be that good. This right. is just, this deal has just been made, and we know tickets are hard to come by. And we know, and, and, and Polly G definitely had downtime in Hollywood. He wasn't what he was. Right. He's not just yeah. an A, He's not an A-lister. None, neither of them are. He's in the same position as Valerie in 
in a way. And he's in a position like Valerie in the first episode or in the first season where he's in need of a comeback. Yeah. He's been down. He's the one who needs the comeback. Even more so than her in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. And he's out there smoking his little vaporizer on the balcony. Mark doesn't want to say hi to him. But Valerie's going to get Mark a drink. And then maybe, you know, after drink, Mark will want to say hi to him. And then she approaches Polly. Polly is curious about what Jane is doing there. He seems genuinely surprised that Jane won an Oscar when Valerie tells him. I don't know if you know, but Jane, um, she does documentary films. And she has an Oscar. Yeah, I know, for a Holocaust movie. Or uh, lesbians. Lesbian Holocaust movie, yeah. Sounds hot. Sorry I missed it. Like, she wanted to look cool. Like, I'm okay with lesbians. And Polly G, it's this little vulnerable smile. He's like, sounds hot. Sorry I missed it. (laughs) (laughs) I love him this season. I know. He's my, he's just like, now he's my broken evil teddy bear, which is even, even, even more adorable. Yeah, exactly. I can fix him. So Valerie then goes on to compliment Polly on the script. Look, you've really written a beautiful script. It's going to be great. I'm going to do my best. And Polly G really hits her with it by saying, yeah, well, I hope you can do better than that. Valerie walks away, goes over to Mark a few seconds later, Polly has followed her over and s- says, you know, I'm sorry, that, that wasn't you. Yeah, Val was coming Hi. Hi. That wasn't you. Huh? That wasn't your fault. I'm sorry. It's all right. That's okay. That's okay. You know Mark, right? Hello, Mark. Polly. Oh, you all right? Yeah, yeah. No, I thought I was going to be at the Golden Globes tonight. If we were in a little tense. Sorry. Yeah. No, we, so did we. Yeah, so yeah did I mean, we. they could have said, you know, you're going to a suite, you know? Yeah. I, I could have made a fucking decision. You know, I'm feeling a little bit set up, I guess. Okay, yeah. Well, you know what? Next year, we'll be inside. You'll be inside, all right? Next year. Right. And he's so vulnerable. He is. He's so vulnerable. Right. It was shitty what they did to them. Yeah, they didn't tell them. We'd like to invite you to the Golden Globes, is all they said. On the ticket, it said viewing party, but I wouldn't have been able to figure that out. Or viewing suite or whatever. Yeah, if you if you didn't know or if you weren't looking at it. And if you didn't have an assistant who was looking at it for you, too. You right. know, sort of giving you the heads up. And there's always the big HBO after party, too, which is... If it had been me, let's just say it had been me, I would have probably skipped the viewing party, but then gone to the after party. Yeah, exactly. You know, watch it at home and then go to the after party, but... I I felt for both of them in that scenario. Valerie gives him a little pep talk. She says, you know, next year we'll be down there. We'll be in the Golden Globes. And then she says, you'll be in there. Then she says, hey, but look, you know, we're going to go to the after party. Why don't, you know, you come with us to the after party. And he says he's going to go to a meeting. And she makes a bit of an inappropriate joke. Of course she did. We were going to go to the HBO after party. You want to come? No, I'm going to go to a meeting. What? Go to a meeting. Okay. All right. Wish we could go, too. Don't you wish you were an alcoholic so we could go? (laughs) Bad joke. Oh, my God. I cringed. I just cringed. It was a horrible. Not so good horrible. But, yeah. And then she's a bad joke. And then... Polly leaves, and Valerie sees Polly pass the alcohol and makes a comment that that's a good sign. And she and Mark are waiting to leave so they don't have to share an elevator with him. Mark admits that it was nice of Polly G to come over, 
and say hello, even though he still thinks he's a freak. And this may have been my favorite exchange in the whole episode where Valerie then makes an excuse for Polly, sort of saying, you know, well, you know, he's an artist. Well, he's an artist. So, it's lucky because you're married to a sane artist. You're an artist? Actress. Actresses are artists. There's just like this, oh, this moment of, oh, civilians, you just don't get it. I know. A couple seconds later, they leave, and that's the end of the episode, and Walking on Broken Glass starts to play. This episode was directed by Michael Patrick King and written by Michael Patrick King and Lisa Kudrow. Loved it. No, you know, as we've as we've recapped, I really, I was this was a necessary episode. It really, we really got to know sort of where everybody was at in their life. We know where Polly G is at. You know, we know where Jane is at, and we know where where Mark and Valerie are at. I mean, we this really set up sort of who they are today. Very true. Very, very true. And Polly G looked really vulnerable. It wasn't, he he didn't have the power that he had sitting in a casting meeting. He's there at this party by himself. He's unshaven. He's obviously off of his game because he... He looks good, though. Yeah, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Marcy's making Marcy smiling like, yeah, like, uh, move over, Mark Berman. <laughs> <laughs> She's getting a little crushy poo on Polly G. Um. I miss Tom, though. I hope Tom comes back. Yeah, I, want, I keep wondering if we're going to see Tom I again. I know. Bring Tom back. And one of the things that I was hoping to see, and maybe it'll be explained later, but wasn't, was the camera crew's gone. I mean, the, the kids were gone. We know yeah. she had to replace them with the union crew, but... Couldn't we was... say goodbye? Especially to Harry. Yeah, we didn't get Bye, any goodbye. Harry. Bye, Harry. You were so wonderful. Yeah. Using the kids was a good device. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. And it's disappointing that it didn't, that they didn't do more with that. Or if they did, that it got cut out. I feel like Nick had made an allusion to something that that they had filmed that I don't think was in here. No, I don't know. We barely, we didn't really see him even in this episode. We saw his face a few times, but yeah, it seemed like he fell and she got mad at him or something. I, I, we'll have to ask him. Yeah, we'll have to check in with Nick again and and find out exactly what was missing. But maybe we'll maybe we'll see or hear learn of it later. Yeah, you never know. You never, you know. never do know. But the cast was amazing. Those scenes, Polly G's one scene, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Yeah, all the stuff with Jane. Welcome back, Jane. We love you. We're so happy to see Jane back and the fantastic Laura Silverman. Yes. Looking forward to next week. Can't wait. We're gonna oh, we're gonna meet long Seth six Rogen. Days. <gasps> Seth Rogen, yes. Seth, the little clip for next week with Seth Rogen just made me laugh too because he's known as like one of the most kind-hearted, nice, sweet guys. Valerie can turn anyone. And he's gonna be playing Polly G, who's you know heroin addicted a hole at that point, and how that goes down. Have you seen the um, Seth Rogen, James Franco, Naked and Afraid clip? No. Oh, Seth Rogen and James Franco did an episode of Naked and Afraid to, you know, promote their movie. Well, we'll have to check that out. Yes, it's hilarious. 
I still haven't gotten the sense that Mark is on board yet with her doing no, this. No, but I just, I think that we've learned that Mark really doesn't have any say. I think Mark has learned that Mark yeah, doesn't really have any yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, clearly Valerie does what Valerie does. But I'm, I'm curious to find out as the season goes on what happened in their marriage. Because I think it's a different dynamic. He's still love bug. Love yeah. ball. Love ball. Marky love Mark. Ball. And we didn't see any real intimate moments. Like they weren't, they were in the bathroom in the beginning, but there's no overhead camera in the bedroom. But it's also, it's also a, um, it's a couple ten years later. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, we don't know how long they were married in the first. That's true. Episode, the first season, but you know, Francesca wasn't that old, so she was like twelve She's or thirteen. 12, yeah, twelve. So they could have been not, you know, a couple of years in. Dynamics change in a marriage. Dynamics do change. We will see what happens. I'm very excited. Next week. Next week, Seth Rogen joins the cast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We love you. And um, we hope that the explanation of Tony Dance's penis is uh, sufficient. And, uh, you know, we'll post it on the website. All right. Well, All right. see you next week. Bye. 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 I don't want to see I don't want to see that. 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 I don't want to see that.